This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. As you all know, Master Brewers is a nonprofit organization. You probably also realize that it's expensive to produce shows like the Master Brewers podcast every week. If you're a vendor, please consider sponsoring the Master Brewers podcast. It'll cost you less than you probably spent to sponsor that last district meeting, and your message will reach the thousands of brewers who tune in each week. Click contact from masterbrewerspodcast.com to learn more. Quality is about the decisions we make. It's not about the lab tests or collecting measurements. Don't take measurements that you're not willing to take an action on. You don't need lab equipment to have good training procedures, good SOPs. That's just the cost of doing business. This week on the show, by listener request, quality systems. If there's a topic you want to hear on the show, do what Aaron at Diamond Knot Craft Brewing did and suggest that topic at community.mbaa.com. Now, here's our guest. My name is Gary Nicholas, and I am with Nicholas Brewing Projects. Gary, you've said that quality is about decisions. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, so what I mean by that is that you're measurements are a tool they're not the product no one buys a lab report so when we are trying to think about what we're doing the the lab measurement is not the end goal the goal of a quality program is to provide enough information for a brewer to make informed decisions about what they're going to do next and to uh, looking at that mindset it's if you're going to ask a question, you have to be thinking about why am I asking that question and what am I going to do with that information? So I think a, a good example of this is when you're you know, starting to research, getting a dissolved oxygen meter, you should be asking, why am I doing this? Because the goal isn't to have the lowest dissolved oxygen possible. That's the tool, or at least that's the approach. The dissolved oxygen meter is the tool you're going to do to measure, but the objective is to have the best possible shelf life. That's what we're actually trying to do. And you have to bring it back into the context of beer and what we're doing. This isn't a, you know, a research study. It's not an, a project in academia. We're actually selling something to a customer. And what are we trying to achieve for them? And then internally, what are our tools that we're going to use to achieve that for the customer? And, and like it or not, those decisions reflect the brewery's priorities. How, how should a brewery go about aligning its decision-making process with its priorities? I think it starts with making a really honest assessment of what your goals, what your challenges, and what your capabilities are. What are you trying to accomplish for the customer? What are the challenges you have internally, uh, either whether that's a technical challenge, uh, 
from training or equipment um, or just the the brewing process and what the beer is going to be, what your capabilities are, and that always leads to resources. Uh, resources are always going to be limiting. Uh, so knowing where you're going to focus really matters. doesn't matter whether you're 500 barrels or 500,000 barrels. Time, money, and attention are always going to be scarce resources um, for us to apply uh, to a, a, a process. Yeah, I, I think a lot of small brewers hear a term like QMS and their eyes kind of glaze over. They assume they're too small with too few resources to even pay attention. But really, nobody is too small to approach quality systematically, right? I believe so. And that's why I, I always say that it's quality is about the decisions we make. It's not about the lab tests or collecting measurements. Because yes, you could be a relatively small brewery or just getting your feet under you. And yes, you may not have some of the equipment that you want or that you have uh, planned out to purchase as a capital acquisition plan over the next year or so. But thinking about what you're trying to do and how you're going to get there, that's size independent. And most of this is proactive. I mean, it's it's not that useful to know that things have already, you know, that things have gone wrong. Uh, you want to know that, but it's far more valuable to put systems in place that prevent it from happening in the first place. You know, in a perfect world, everyone would do their job correctly every day, every time, and you'd never le- need a lab program. Unfortunately, we don't live in that perfect world. So we do need pieces, but it's a lot easier to deal with dissolved oxygen if we're making sure that all of our connections are tight before it goes to the filler. I mean, that's you don't need lab equipment to have good training procedures, good SOPs. That's just the cost of doing business. I'm sure protecting their brand and customer experience are some of the first things that most brewers would list as quality goals, but there are some other fundamental quality areas that need to be prioritized if a business is going to survive. Talk about those. Sure, because people think about that sensory experience. That's what customers are buying. But we also have to pay attention that we are in a regulatory environment. So you have food safety issues, um, whether there are direct allergens, whether it's GMP as we get further into HACCP. Uh, we also have to pay attention to there is the Tax and Trade Bureau. So a customer customer is not going to notice a minor variation in your ABV or your fill volumes. But if you have a TTB audit, and eventually people will, that is something that they're going to pay attention to. And if you're not setting your data collection up to where you understand what's happening, you're in trouble. And again, that size independent, you need to know where, uh, where those little things, and it's just, it's set up. It's not that hard to take some fill height measurements or at least be mindful of what your ABVs are uh, and what you're saying on a label. Uh, and then the other piece I look at is consistency and efficiency. Uh, you know, if you have a reputation for consist- inconsistency, that's going to travel a lot farther and faster than your beer will. We live in a social media environment and people have long memories, uh, short attention spans, but long memories. We also, you know, we are in a business. This is, we're not doing this as, as uh, a hobby anymore. Lost time costs money it costs energy and if you think about calibration calibration is not that hard to do it doesn't matter how big you are 
calibration, little issues will add up over time, whether that's uh, looking at grain or product flow. That's, it's going to matter. And it can have huge effects on your overall profitability or even flavor. It sure can. As I was preparing for this interview, it occurred to me that we really need to get Van Havig on the show. He's got a great presentation with the theme of efficiency and profitability for the small brewer. I remember seeing that one at a District Northern Cal meeting in Chico a few years ago. Anyway, I reached out to Van and got him on the schedule. So that one will be coming out sometime next month. Coming up, you know about it, the brewers know about it, but what does the customer need to know? Because anaphylaxis is fun to say, but it's horrible to witness and have to deal with. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. Districts Milwaukee, Northern Rockies, and Mid-South all meet this weekend. District Western New York meets at Ithaca Beer March 5th. The District Midwest Spring Meeting is at Mad Tree Brewing March 10th. Districts Michigan and St. Louis both meet March 15th. The 2018 Eastern Technical Conference is March 23rd and 24th in Atlantic City. The D-System Keg Valves Safety and QA Webinar is March 27th. District Texas meets in Shreveport, Louisiana, April 6th through the 8th. The third annual District Southeast Crawfish Boil is April 7th. I went last year and it was a ton of fun. The Master Brewers Board of Governors meets April 12th. District Carolinas meets at Holy City April 14th. The Master Brewers Brewery Packaging Course starts April 15th in Madison. And the 57th District Caribbean Convention is April 19th through the 22nd in St. Lucia. View the full count of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. And I was out at JBF judging a few years ago and I was just blown away by the number of, you know, peanut beers and oyster stouts and, and things like that. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, are these people putting this on the label? And if not, you know, what are they going to do when they get sued? Any Anything you want to talk about in that regard? There, I think the, the number one thing, it comes up with safety issues in a brewery as well, is it's really hard to guard against risks you're not aware of. And I think this is something that breweries need to take some uh, responsibility for as us as an industry is to look at what are those primary allergens that we need to disclose and put on a label and then actually walk through your brewery from a food safety mindset, things that aren't going to affect customer experience from a flavor direct standpoint, but go through and look, where are my cross-contamination issues? And the mindset that you do that is the same audit mindset that you would do if you're walking through from the quality side or the safety side, but actually paying attention to what are the allergens? Are we using a peanut butter powder? Are we using something uh, that needs to be disclosed? And potentially consider disclosing non-traditional ingredients. And by that, I mean just the water, malt, hops, yeast. But if you were putting coffee, there's no reason not to put that on a label. And if once you're in that mindset, you're a little bit more aware of wow, I'm putting something into a beer. And if it's draft only, or if you're a taproom model, think about it. You know about it. The brewers know about it. But what does the customer need to know? Because anaphylaxis is fun to say, but it's horrible to witness <laughs> and have to deal with. 
Um, and you don't want that. I mean, there's a good way to be in the news uh, and having a, an allergic reaction is not it. That's right. Okay. Very good. What are some other considerations in regards to setting priorities? So when I think about this, it's, again, we, I want to always put that customer behavior, uh, what's going to affect customer behavior, how are they going to act, react to a beer? So whether it's diacetyl or microcontamination, that's, that's a big deal. But also, you know, think about what your, res- your resources are and what's the actual sales environment. You know, that's going to have a big determining factor on what your actual shelf life is. How far is it going to be distributed? What's the rate of sale? What are the actual storage condi- conditions? What are ca- competitor capabilities? If you're going to move into a new market, what are your competitors there capable of? Because either you're going to measure up or you're not. And if your beer is great in your home market, but it doesn't travel well, you should really be asking yourself, am I going to send it to travel? And if the answer is, yes, we are, then you need to look at your resources and say, okay, so how do I get my shelf life, actual shelf life up to par so that I can make that journey and actually have beer that will survive it? Any brewer is going to need to collect some data so they can make better decisions. Do you want to talk about approaches for establishing control points and, and what to do with that data? So there, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's really valuable to, again, you're asking yourself, what, what's the goal? What are we trying to do? And then where are those inf- inflection points? You know, how can I, it's kind of the HACCP model, but moved into a QCIP or quality critical control point. Where can I have the biggest effect downstream? And where, because you can't measure everything. It's drinking from a fire hose. So where can I get the biggest bang for my buck? Um, And what test measurement am I going to use? That's a big piece, especially with timing. If you get data after you needed to make a decision, this comes up with microbiological testing all the time. You know, it's very valuable to know what's happening downstream but if by the time you actually know what's happening, the beer's already moved, well, that's just telling you that your car got stolen. It's not preventing the car from being stolen in the first place, or at least being put in a position where you can make an active decision before things got more expensive. Uh, and then what are the acceptable ranges for results? Uh, that's, I think, a big deal is what actually is okay versus what's not. Because your brewery is not another brewery in disguise. Your beer and your process, your resources are your own. That has to, your decision-making process has to actually match your priorities. Let's talk about setting targets. You've got some advice that I know I'm guilty of not always following, and I bet there are a lot of other brewers out there who need to hear it as well. Tell us about that. So I put this in, in three basic buckets. You've got targets, which is what you want to have happen. You know, this is a, a very idealistic, uh, there's no reason not to be ambitious, but they're, they're the ideals. It's the what you want to have happen. And then there's control limits, which are saying, this is, you know, 
this is the boundary where I'm going to make and I'm going to take action internally. It may not affect a customer's perception, but it's that kind of warning trigger for me that I need to wrangle things uh, from a process or procedure standpoint to get stay closer to the, my targets. And then we have what I refer to as specifications. And that's the big difference. Your specifications are criteria that determine whether that process or beer moves forward. What you're defining is what is acceptable for release and sale. And that's going to be based on customer needs and expectations. But it's also, there's a legal component of, can I sell that? Uh, if it's you know ABV, you do. If it's listed on your label, you have a grace period around that, you know, 0.3% on either side of what your listed net contents are. If it's outside of that, that's not legal for sale. So you have, you're going to be blending or doing something there. I think where people go wrong or where this gets squirrely is people think of specifications as guidelines. Targets are guidelines. They're what you want to have happen. Specifications need to be rules. So don't set a specification you're willing to ignore. Uh, this follows with kind of advice. Don't take measurements that you're not willing to take an action on. If you're just taking measurements for the sake of taking measurements, you're wasting a lot of time and resources. So avoid setting specifications that are more strict than what a customer will actually value or can detect. Just because you're, you know, if you're measuring diacetyl with a GC, which is getting increasingly common, uh, you need to don't live and die by the number that's going to be maybe a control limit it's certainly your target but what's legal for sale or what not legal but acceptable for sale that may be different uh so pay attention to what the actual objective is which is what the customer is going to experience i found that a lot of brewers are seemingly allergic to sops and documentation until they really experience firsthand the positive effects when this is executed properly. What advice do you have for the small brewer who is maybe a little lost or doesn't know where to start? I think there it's number one, just document what you're already doing. I, I understand that allergic because I've certainly had it as well. Uh, but there is so much value to having expectations that are clear and well communicated. If everybody's on the same page, it makes just life a lot easier to deal with. Um, so you want to write things out in a way that, uh, you know, give yourself credit for what you've already done. So write down your steps and then pass that around to the rest of the group. Is everybody doing things roughly the same way? And again, you're looking at it from that mindset of what's the objective there might be a couple different routes to get there. And if they're all about the same, then you, could, you know, people have some flexibility. But where they're not, and when it's, that's where things go sideways, is when your uh, Tuesday brewer or your third shift brewer is doing things completely different than the rest of the team. You know, speaking as a quali former quality manager, you can run around a long time before you tease out what happened when and where that is creeping into the system. <laughs> That was Gary Nicholas here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Gary's back for part two next week. 
things are going to go wrong in a brewery. They just do. That's a corrective action. It is doing things in real time to make sure that it's matching what's in your SOP or if it's your master sanitation schedule, just making sure what is an operator. That is an operator level piece. As you all know, Master Brewers is a nonprofit organization. You probably also realize that it's expensive to produce shows like the Master Brewers podcast every week. If you're a vendor, please consider sponsoring the Master Brewers podcast. It'll cost you less than you probably spent to sponsor that last district meeting, and your message will reach the thousands of brewers who tune in each week. Click contact from masterbrewerspodcast.com to learn more.